message. I do have several thoughts that God wants me to share with the Jesus Church and um, several things that he has told me to tell you that are very specific. And I will tell you those things and whatever you do with it, it's, it'll be up to you after that. Daniel chapter 10 and verse 12, this is after Daniel had done his 21-day fast, seeking for answers from God. Gabriel came to him, and in verse 12, then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. And so in these scriptures, we see that kind of a veil is pulled back from the spirit realm, and you get to see the behind-the-scenes workings of God's ministering angels, God's warring angels, and the demons that oppose these things from coming. I'll never forget, um, my, I grew up <clears throat> in a broken home. My, my, I have a brother, an older brother. He's nine years older than me. And then my sister is four years older than me. And they were backslidden ever since I can remember. Um, and so I, and, and my family split up. And so it was just kind of me and, um, but whenever my brother would come home, I can remember him being so bitter. He he was just a fierce kind of guy. Very he's kind of he's shorter than me. He's about right here, but he's made of steel and he's like he's really thick. And um I've never been able to beat him wrestling. We tried to he's into judo and I tried to do some judo moves on him and he choked me out while I was laying on top of him. It was very embarrassing. So he's just tough. But he would be so bitter, and any time anybody would bring up church, he would have a very aggressive reaction, very aggressive reaction. And it wasn't a neutral thing, well, I'll, you know, we'll think about it. It was like, get out of my face. I don't want to hear nothing about your church. And I just kind of grew up with this reality. Um, and even when I started getting in the spirit and fasting and praying, um, I never thought that anything would be different with my family. This is just how it is. They're backslid, they're bitter, and they're going to be that way, and they're going to go to hell. You know? um, but I was listening to a, a message um, in my room, and the preacher was talking about this moment where Gabriel came and Michael came to fight for Daniel. And a spirit of intercession came upon me in my bedroom. And I remember falling on the floor. It was so overwhelming. I fell on the floor, and I laid on the floor and groaned and spoke in tongues. I did not know what I was interceding for. I just knew the Holy Ghost had come on me. My tongue changed. The way I was speaking in tongues changed. You know how when you're, you're speaking in tongues, it's kind of you're enjoying it, or, or even if it's forceful, but then it's like the Lord puts this weight behind it, and your stomach is now involved. It's almost like you're pushing. Your muscles are actually contracting, and... And I, I have found the deepest places in intercession, it's almost like involuntary contractions, almost like a woman's labor. 
she is not in control of her stomach doing that. It just doesn't. And you can get to places in intercession where God has literally taken your body and he is squeezing it and, and forcing out those prayers. And that's where I was. Um, and I, be, I began to speak in tongues, and I can remember my eyes were closed. And I think probably for the f- first time in my life, a, a vivid vision opened up to me. And I was in what looked to be a castle, like an old dungeon in a castle. And um, I remember the walls, looking at the walls. They were your kind of typical medieval castle dungeon, and it had the mildew, and it stunk, and just the cold, dark stone hallway. And while I was praying, I was transported down this hall, and I turned to my left, and there was a prison cell door there. And the door flew open. And in the middle of this dungeon, my brother sat in a chair, chained from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. And the only thing I could see were his eyes. And his eyes were wide. You could tell he was absolutely terrified to be there. And when I saw my brother, um, whatever God was doing in me, just went to another level. I, I began to speak in tongues in a, a, a forceful war. I probably freaked out the neighbors. I, I, I was going ballistic on that floor. And I remember as I spoke in tongues, it was like something came out of my mouth and smote those chains. And there were, there were layers of chains on his feet, on his legs, on his arms. He had a chain around his neck. He had something on top of his head. It looked like almost like an electric chair, but it was, it was holding his head back. And, and one, one thing after another, as I was speaking in tongues, it shattered off of his feet, shattered off of his legs, shattered off of his chest, shattered off of his body. And eventually he was totally free sitting in that, that room. And he jumped up and ran out towards me to come out of that prison. And um, I remember turning around and we were going to walk out together and the Lord turned me around and said, now pray against this prison. And I begin to speak in tongues, and the, the, the stones of the walls begin to kind of dislodge themselves and fall onto the floor, and that entire cell caved in on itself. And we came out, and my brother and I went to the next prison door, and my sister was in there. And same exact thing, chained from head to foot. And this time, I remember staying in prayer a very long time, and I kept trying to have the same reaction happen to those chains that were happening to my brother but it was taken a lot longer. But eventually, my sister was set free. I, I think it may have been a couple of weeks after this vision. Now, my brother was bitter against God. He was bound by sin, um, drank alcohol, involved with the party life, completely bitter against God. A few weeks later, he walked into the doors of our church. And I will never forget, as long as I live, he had on a black leather jacket, he walked up to the front and lifted his hands, and the Holy Ghost came on him. And he began to speak in tongues like a banshee up at that altar. God totally set him free. And, and to this day, he's in church. He's involved in church. He's on the, uh, the, in one of the ministries in the church and, and is faithful. My sister has not yet come back. Now, she came back after that, a little while after that, she, she's a freak. My sister is a complete freak. She, she has never met a stranger. 
she has she's had multiple businesses she's kind of a very aggressive lady i love her she's a hero to me um but she disrupted the entire service and uh she didn't wait for altar call she just went came into the back of the church during uh announcements or whatever before the preaching she walked straight up to the altar and lifted her hands and began to cry out to god for mercy and this happened um several months after my brother came back but my sister um, was not ready to give up what she was involved in. She went right back out in it, couldn't find that liberty. So I'm believing God that he's going to do what he told me he would do in that vision. But the thing, the principle that I learned was you you got to do first things first. You know, Jesus said you can't spoil the strong man's house unless you first bind the strong man. So there is a spiritual work that is to be done before we see the physical results or the physical fruits of our labors. And this church has done... The spiritual work required for a season of harvest. You have fasted and you have prayed. And God has dismantled some of Satan's devices to keep people bound. This is a, this is a direct word from God. He has dismantled Satan's devices to keep people bound. And there is a group of people that is now waiting to hear the truth from your lips and that are ready to hear the truth from your lips. And, and, and God gave me a number. He said it's, it's about 40. There's about 40 people. Um, and it's very interesting. I couldn't get it off my mind. I believe it was yesterday. I, um, I did a fast. I told you about Talmud French and Michael coming to help me in, in Talmud French's church. And it was after that fast that God gave us about 40 souls. And ever since then, I've gone back. There's been 40, about 40 people get the Holy Ghost when I preach there. And, and I, I couldn't get that number out of my mind. And I, I believe it with all my heart that God is going to bring 40 people into this building. Now, I'm, I'm being recorded, so you know I, I, I believe what I'm saying right now. Uh, God's going to bring about 40 people. I don't think it's going to be a long, extended period of time. I think it's going to be something where you're you're taking notice this is this is actually happening right now um and and but it's 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 in the works it's been prepared it's a result of your consecration and and the thing that must happen now is spirit-led evangelism spirit-led evangelism i had um a dream back a few years ago, I was preaching at Souls Harbor, my home church. And in the dream, now we had had a mighty move of God there. Kind of one of those blowout crazy services. You know, everybody's spitting on each other, drooling on each other, biting the carpet, um, climbing over pews. It was absolute mayhem. So it was, it was apostolic. And God gave me a dream. And in the dream, we were all gathered in the church building. And lightning came out of heaven and struck the top of the building. Just pow. Beautiful, brilliant lightning. And when it did, it went through the top of the ceiling of the church and came down into the carpet. And this brilliant white light began to spread out, almost like you throw a rock in the lake and that ripple spreads. This brilliant lightning light spread out from that lightning strike. And the circle got wider and wider and wider, and it went out of the walls of the church and went into the city of Bellevue. 
And everything that that white light touched in the ground, now as far as plants, it destroyed them. It killed them. There was like a, there was like, uh, you know, there's a tree here, and then the light hits it. That tree fizzles and goes into nothing. It's just bare ground. And it went out as far as the eye could see. And I remember thinking, this is a devastating thing that just happened. And I was walking down a street where this, I could see the absolute, every, every shrubbery, everything was gone. It was just dirt. And I saw this guy bent over, and he was kind of in the dirt, and he was, he had this, little um, gardener gloves on, you know, and he had his little gardener rake and his little little gardener shovel. Y'all know about stuff like that here in South Dakota? Okay, good. And he's there. What's that? There you go. Yeah. It was a miniature snow shovel. He was digging in the dirt, and he was planting flowers. I'm like, I said, sir, I said, what are you doing? And he said, I'm planting these flowers. He said, he said, after... The lightning struck for a season. These are the only things that will grow in this soil. And God spoke to me. He said, when I prayed about the interpretation of the dream, he said, he said, when you have a time of consecration and the Holy Ghost falls, the Spirit of God falls, God sends a neutralizing factor out into the atmosphere around you. And everything Satan has planted that is deceptive, everything Satan has planted that is holding people captive, the thorns, the briars, the poisons, the drug addiction, the alcohols, these things lose their ability to take root for a season. They lose their ability. And the only thing for a season that will take root is the Word of God. That's the only thing that will take root. And this is what God is saying. To, I know this is not a message. I, I'm, I'm, under a, I, I'm under a direct spirit of prophecy right now. I promise you that this is God, what the Spirit saith to the Jesus church in Watertown. You are in a season where Satan's work for years has been neutralized. It's a season. Now, it's not, it's not a permanent thing. It's a season. There's going to be another season after this, and then another season after that, and then another season after that. But you are in a season where the thing Satan has planted in this area to hold people captive, it has been neutralized. And now the Lord will lead you. The Lord will lead you to people that are ready to receive his word, and it's going to take root inside of them, and they are going to be established in the kingdom of God. Let's thank the Lord for that right now. Lift your voice. Hallelujah. Praise the living God. I want to read to you 
John chapter 10 and verse 25. This is another thing God spoke to me today. John chapter 10 and verse 25. Jesus answered them, I told you, and ye believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. Watch this in verse 26. But ye believe not because ye are not of my sheep. As I said unto you, my sheep hear my voice. And I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them, who's the them? The sheep. My Father gave the sheep to me. He is greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. There's several things that God is emphasizing in these scriptures to me. Number one, I want us to understand spiritual virtue for a moment. Um, when I, I told you at the, the convention, I'm not, I think everybody might have been there, but just in a nutshell, God led me to uh, take my moped, my 39cc moped. Were you, did you all hear the story? Okay. Who didn't hear the story? If it's the majority, well, I've got to tell it again. Yeah, yeah, y'all haven't heard, most of you haven't heard it. Okay, so I was looking for a way. We were doing vacation Bible school. I was looking for a way to reach some people. I had no role in vacation Bible school since I was the youth pastor. It was kid stuff. So I'm like, how do I get these kids? And it got, I began to pray, Where? how do I get these kids? And the Lord impressed me. There's a bus stop. All the kids congregated at the bus stop. And I had this 39cc Honda scooter which I still love to this day. I'm trying to convince my wife to let me get one. She thinks I'm going to die if I get one. They're a lot of fun. I mean, anybody have a scooter? You have one? Oh. Cole, you have everything. Okay, well, this was like a motorized scooter, 39cc. It, it topped out at about 31 miles per hour if the wind was at your back, Okay. And I would drive, when I was working on staff at the church, I would drive all over Bellevue. Man, it was just heaven. And I never wore a helmet, and I was just free. And I pulled up to a stop sign, and this this hog, this guy on a Harley Davidson with all his leather pulled up, and I gave him the biker signals, like, yeah, we're bikers. And he just looked at me, and he just, he's out of there. He looked at me like I was a dork, idiot, freak. So... I, I took my scooter to the bus stop, and I went and purchased some fudge rounds. Anybody ever had a fudge round? Fudge rounds, they're like little Debbie snacks. Um, they're little cookies with chocolate in the middle and then chocolate swirls on the top. It's just chocolate, chocolate, and it's all fake. It's all preservatives. You're going to die 10 years younger, but it's worth it because they're delicious. And if you stick them in the microwave for about seven, four to seven seconds, you can't do any more than that because it will actually cause them to be like a cement brick. But if you do it about that, it kind of melts that chocolate and it just falls apart, gooey, delicious. Sounds good, doesn't it? So there's eight of them in there. I took this box of um, fudge rounds to the end of the street and waited for the kids to get off the bus. And when they got off the bus, I held up the fudge rounds to these children in my neighborhood. And I said, who wants a fudge round? And they literally looked at me like, this is the serial killer our mother told us to run from. 
and they were they were all kind of like going they had to go past me and I was like barring their way they went around me and this little girl she might have been 6 to 8 years old she she held up her hand she's like so I opened the box and they all kind of you know they were still walking but now they're watching I give her the fudge round she unwraps it she eats it and they're watching her to see if she's going to die from poison and when she didn't die another one came up and said hey I I want a fudge round and then they all gathered around me and their faces are covered in chocolate, and they're looking at me with adoring eyes, saying, you are our hero, sir. And so I made it up, everything on the spot right there. I said, listen, I, we do children's Bible studies at my house at 7, 30, 7 o'clock on Monday nights. There's going to be food, prizes, games. Come, bring your parents. And they're like, yes, we're coming. And so, uh, like the day after that, a mother knocked on my door and said, you were talking to my child at a bus stop. And I explained to her, I said, listen, I'm the youth pastor. We're doing Bible studies. You, you're welcome to come. All the parents that can come. Anyway, it turned into the neighborhood weekly party night at my house with all the kids. And a bunch of those kids got the Holy Ghost. Um, I baptized an entire family in Jesus' name. And I think everybody except for one person in that family got the Holy Ghost. Um, it was just a wonderful, wonderful time. And every time I came to church, my car was filled with kids, and I had other young people picking up these kids and bringing them to the church. And when I shut it down, I had about 30 kids at my house for Bible study, games, prayer, prizes. And you wouldn't think to shut something down when you have so many people coming to your house to a Bible study. My pastor's wife came up to me, Sister Naomi Varnum. She's a, she's a prophetess. I was telling my pastor yesterday, I believe, what kind of woman she is. Uh, she's the kind of lady that you want to pray for God to forgive you of any adverse thought before you talk to her because she can read your mind, you know. She's just a prophetess. I don't know how else to say it. She's a prophetess like you would read about in the Old Testament. And she came up to me. She said, Joey, you only have so much virtue. Everybody say virtue. You only have so much virtue. You have to decide through prayer and through the leading of the Spirit where to apply that virtue. She said, you have been working with these kids now. Now, we had this spurt where several of them got baptized, several of them got the Holy Ghost, but then it was just they're all coming over to my house and they're all coming to church. She said, you have been having this Bible study, but at the same time, we were starting to apply our efforts at the campus, and things were starting to open up for revival at the campus. She said, you're doing too much. You've got too much stuff on your plate. You're going to kill yourself. You have to decide where to apply your virtue or you're going to get the biggest return. And I was, I was thinking to myself, how can I let go of this Bible study? But I just obeyed her, and I realized how much energy, effort, creativity that I was not able to put into the college because I was investing it into this neighborhood Bible study. And, and God taught me an incredible lesson about understanding virtue. You only have so much spiritual energy to give. You only have so much. You, you do not have an unlimited supply of spiritual energy. This is why Jesus would retreat into the mountain after he would uh, heal all the people. He didn't go sleep. He retreated into the mountain and prayed because his spiritual energy was totally depleted. Okay? And so you've only got so much. We have got to be spirit-led. If we're stepping into this season of spirit-led evangelism, we have got to say, God, lead us to hungry people and lead hungry people to us. 
Now, this is hard. This is hard, but it's true, okay? Brother G.A. Mangan was asked, what's the key to building a great church? This is what G.A. Mangan said. He said, don't waste your time with nuts. Now, you got to put that into context. We're nuts. I mean, all of us are nuts here. You know, we're definitely nuts for Jesus Christ, so it's not that kind of nut. It's the kind of person that would, and I, I was telling the pastor this earlier, it's the kind of person that would rather be pitied for their problem than do the work of getting deliverance. Satan will actually release to you virtue leeches, virtue suckers. And you will pour into them and pour into them and pour into them, and they will still have a rebellious spirit. They will still have a, a cycle of, oh, I fell again. Can you help me? Can you, can you pick me up? Can you pay for my meal? Can you, can you come over? Can you encourage me? Can you call? You didn't call me. They are not doing nothing. Okay? And so what happens, here's, what, here's the actual truth behind it. We get emotionally attached to them. And they are a confidence builder for us. Okay? I was in that place. I had 30 people at my house. I am a soul-winning machine. And none of them were making one step closer to Jesus. And I shut the whole thing down. And so we have got to be, if you're going to enter into this phase of spirit-led evangelism, you've got you to really take a hard assessment. Now, I'm not saying you cut them off, that's it, I'm turning your flesh over to Satan for the destruction of your soul, bye-bye. <laughs> that's not what I'm saying, okay? But sometimes, if people are unwilling to step further, you got to let them go. You can't keep pulling them because there's somebody over there that you can't see because you're depleted. There's somebody right there that has been praying, God, I want more than Lutheranism has to offer me. And they've got it together and they're hungry and they're ready to make a move right now. And so Satan will actually give you people that look good, but that are working against you. You look at uh, the thing that just came into my spirit, Paul, when, when Paul and Silas were being followed around by the woman that said, these be the men of the most high God, he, take heed unto their words. These are the men of the most high. These are the servants of the most high God. Servants. Of, is she saying anything wrong? Oh, she's saying exactly right. And it looks like she's joined forces, but in fact, she was a tool of the enemy to cause them to be distracted from what God wanted them to do. This is a hard prayer, especially for people who love people. This is a hard prayer to pray. God, show me who to let go of so I can see who you want me to get a hold of. Okay? It's a hard prayer to pray. And, and I, I believe God set me free in that moment when I dropped that Bible study. Now those kids... Some of them we still brought, and some of them, if they said, hey, can I come to church? Yes, you can come to church. Um, but God did something to me. Instead of utilizing the current attachment that I had over and over and over, God started putting in me the revelation of the Scripture. He that soweth bountifully reaps bountifully. I started reaching on a whole new level and looking, my eyes changed. My, the way that I saw people changed. And I recognized this scripture. He said, my sheep hear my voice. 
If you tell somebody something and you're filled with the Holy Ghost and you tell them something or tell them to do something and they are rebelling against you, yet they still want to be attached to you, not a sheep, goat. The way to tell if they're worthy of your virtue is are they doing what you say? Is this okay? Some of y'all have wide eyes right now. The way to tell, are they worthy of your virtue? Now, if I'm way off, Brother Brown or Pat, Pastor Sleeve, if I'm just messing it up, you, you, you let me know, okay? This, this is a hard balance to find. This is, this is something that works in the altar, too. If I'm praying for somebody, I'll never forget. As long as I live, this has happened several times, but the first time it happened to me, there was a group of people around this kid they had been praying for for such a long time to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And, man, his hands were up, and, God, I want the Holy Ghost. And they're shaking him. Come on, you can get it. Come on. And they're sweating. And he's not sweating. They're praying way harder for the Holy Ghost to get inside of him than he's praying to get the Holy Ghost. And he's, he's still got it together. They're soaked. They're, 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 they're panting. Their eyes are poofy. God, follow my the Holy Ghost. And, he's like, and I, something came over me, and I got in his ear. And I said, do you want the Holy Ghost? And without looking at me, he said, I lie not. This kid was enjoying the attention of being up at the altar. And everybody, he was getting a back massage. He was getting a chest massage. He was getting all their affection, all their emotion. The, the entire service was focused on him. He's going to get this thing. And everybody's like, we're on your side, man. We're going to be with you till you get it. They did not follow the direction of God. And because of that, they had no virtue and no faith. That was killing their faith. That kid who didn't want the Holy Ghost was sucking the living daylights out of these people in the altar. Okay? And so how do you find out if people want it? Will they listen to you? Do they do what you say? I want you to go up to the altar and pray. Not a sheep. Okay? And if they're at the altar, and, and, and this is something I do constantly, if they obey me, we'll go the next step. If they don't obey me, I encourage them. God bless you. I'm moving on to somebody else. Because if they do not obey the man of God, they're not going to get the God that's going to come through that man. Okay? And I'm telling you, there is a spirit in this church. There is a spirit in this church, in this region, of people that are addicted to pity. They're addicted to it. And if they can find a sympathetic eye or a sympathetic voice or a sympathetic shoulder to cry on, they're going to attach themselves to you. And you, you, they'll sit there and you'll have so much pity on them and they won't move a muscle. When God's there ready to deliver, they won't move a muscle. You know why? Because they are addicted to that attention that comes from pity. And God is destroying that spirit in this region and in this church. And what's going to happen is your eyes are going to change. Your eyes are going to change. And it's not because you're being mean to people. It's not because you are, you're, being, you're, you're cutting them off. We're not some uh, Nazi Pentecostal church. We love people. 
but we only have so much virtue to give, and I'm looking for someone that's good ground. I'm, I'm looking for somebody that's ready to take the next step. And what will happen, because here's what's happening right now in the Holy Ghost. These people that have this spirit, they are sucking the life out of everybody around them. They're stealing virtue. They're stealing virtue. They're changing the atmosphere. And what happens is when we change our focus and we change our, our, the way we see things, God will disable the power of that spirit. And some of them are just going to leave and go find pity somewhere else. And some of them are going to make up in their mind, you know what? Nobody's really coddling me and pitying me anymore. Maybe I should try this out for myself. Let's pray. I, the Lord's speaking. Let's pray that God would help us. This is a touchy area. In the name of Jesus Christ, God, help us to have the balance in this area. Lord, we want to reach the lost, but we only have so much virtue God, I curse this spirit of, uh, of addiction to pity. I pray that you would disconnect every minister here, every prayer warrior here, every altar worker here. Help us to see with the eyes of the shepherd. Help us to see with the eyes of the shepherd in the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, my sheep hear my voice. Hallelujah. Let's pray with our pastor right now. He's still praying. Let's pray a little bit longer. He's still reaching. Let's pray a little bit longer. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Hallelujah. You know, it's, it's a little bit, I guess I would compare it carnally to tough love. It's tough love. Um, it's, like, it's like the mother who her son keeps being an idiot, keeps drinking and driving, keeps going to jail, and she keeps bailing him out. And so he never deals with the sting of his own actions. Okay? And, and sometimes, I'm telling you the truth, sometimes people just need a good swift kick in the rear to go to the next level. And, and we are the buffer against that if we are emotionally attached and not being led of the Spirit. Do y'all get the concept? I think we do. Hallelujah. The last thing that God spoke to me is that it's time to release your pastor. And what I mean by this is that this group is a phenomenal group. You are phenomenal people. The hunger is here. The dedication is here. You guys, I, I promise you in the name of Jesus Christ, this is a different church than it was July. It is a totally different church. And, and it, it's a little bit different when you're in it. When you're in it, it's kind of hard to see. I, I'm, I'm from the outside looking in. I came here in July, and I'll be honest with you, I was pulling teeth. Come here this time, and there is a flow from heaven here. <laughs> I mean, in the worship in the altar, there is a flow. For, it's like heaven has opened for you. It's a different church, totally different church. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's thank the Lord. Let's, let's do something. Let's thank him because the Holy Ghost is here. Hey, thank you, Lord. Woo. 
Hallelujah. It, the spirit realm has been altered forever, okay? It has been altered. And now it's time to release your pastor, okay? And this is what I mean. Typically, can I tell them what I told you when we first sat down about the inevitability? Okay. Here, here's the deal. You know, when I sat down first with, with Pastor Brown, we were at a diner, and I, I was on like an hour of sleep, and so I couldn't articulate what I was trying to say. But the feeling and the thought that kept burning in my spirit was God's will here and God's plan for this area is inevitable. It's going to happen. You, you're going to have an apostolic revival church, and it's going to impact all of South Dakota, okay? It's going to happen. And, and here's, here's kind of where the contradictions come. Um, you know, God does not bless a group of people called a church. God blesses the man of God, and it flows into the church. That's how it works. God blesses the ministry, and it flows into the church, okay? So what happens, here's, here's kind of the paradox and the contradiction. You know, God gave David a plan. God gave him his anointing. He gave him his favor. The Samuel, uh, Samuel the prophet came and said, you're going to be king. The spirit of God came upon him. And you look 10 years later in his life, most people think that happened when he was a young teenager and he was 30 when he became king. You look about 10 years later in his life, he's out in the wilderness. He's got a bunch of misfits around him. He's running for his life. He's not king of anything. He's living in a cave. The outward fruit of God's calling was not manifested. Okay? There's a clash between the level of calling and the level of actual visible fruit that should be there. All right? Look at Joseph. Joseph was called of God. He had the dreams. He's going to be ruling. And then God takes him through the prison, takes him into slavery. And the night before Joseph sees Pharaoh, you would look at this guy and say, man, he's got some work to do. <laughs> he's, got some, uh, he's got some steps to take before he's going to be successful. He's living in the prison the night before he saw Pharaoh. And then all of a sudden, in both instances, God turns it around. <sighs> and all the preparation that had gone into these men all of a sudden manifests through the opportunity God puts them in. It's just night and day, night and day. And, and I know pastoring is a process. I know building a church is a process. Uh, the way God builds churches is a process. But I, I feel very profoundly and very, um, very clearly that the process this church has gone through, you are about to see some dramatic physical evidence of that process. You know, with Joseph, it's like God's pulling the sling, pulling the sling, pulling the sling, pulling the sling, pulling the sling. And then all of a sudden, in one night, okay? And, and that's, I was telling him, the feeling that I get around this couple is that the process that they have gone through is so biblical. <laughs> It's just one of the most biblical things I have ever seen. I mean, this, this dude's preaching all over the United States. 
He's one of the most sought-after speakers in our movement, okay? And that's a, that's a high level of success. And then he comes back here, and for any guy looking at normal churches, you know, he was making fun. He was like, people ask him, well, how many people are you running? And he would say a number, and they're like, oh, okay, you know, we'll be praying for you. God bless you, you know? The, the outward fruit does not match the internal process that has been undertaken. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, God is making a dramatic shift because of your consecration. And what you see physically is about to catch up with what God has done spiritually. That's kind of in a nutshell, okay? So it's time to release your pastor, and this is what I mean. Those of you that are close to him, there are things that he is doing that should be done by other people. And so those of you that are close to your pastor, those, I don't know how to go about, I don't know how y'all work it out, but y'all need to get with him and find out what you can take out of his hands so that his focus can be on higher things. And that's, that was a, a very strong impression right before I walked in here, okay? You need to find out what is he doing that I can be doing. I'm not talking about counseling the saints and, and preaching every Sunday and all that stuff. I'm not talking about that, okay? You know, one simple thing is he runs the sound. I'm, I'm getting in the nitty-gritty here. I'm sorry. Y'all please forgive me. He runs the sound. Pastor don't need to be running the sound. That, he needs to have his eyes. He, he's running the sound. He's running the slides. Uh, and I'm not, I, please don't don't. Don't think I'm trying to belittle anybody or rebuke anybody. I promise you I'm not. I'm just, there's a shift happening here. There's a, there's a higher level coming here. And, and, and that should be done by someone else who doesn't have to be concerned about the souls of these people going to hell and him giving account for them. Make sense what I'm saying? So, so some of you that feel, the Bible talks over and over about the, the hearts whom the Lord had touched. Those of you that feel what I'm saying right now, you can feel I am speaking to you in the Holy Ghost. Find out what you can take over. Say, Pastor, let me do that. Train me to do that. Teach me to do that so you can focus on the high calling that God has brought you to. Does that make sense? That's pretty much all I have to say. I feel like it was kind of a message to the Jesus Church of Watertown. I want us to lift our hands and let's thank God for his presence. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's lift our voices. Let's, let's follow pastor's lead right now. Pastor's standing and lifting his voice. Let's follow his lead. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah, Jesus, hallelujah, Jesus, hallelujah, Jesus, hallelujah, Jesus, hallelujah, Jesus. 
Alléluia, Jesus. Alléluia, Jesus. Alléluia, Jesus. Alléluia, Jesus. Alléluia, Jesus. Alléluia. Yata la harakata la karashele beketa libre bakarando lo boko sendere baraka dele mando lo boko taya. Alléluia, Jesus. Alléluia, Jesus. Alléluia, Jesus. Ele bato domo yeka de manja le bato rekele shabata le bako haya de la bataya. I want to tell you what I feel real quick. I feel like um, God's going to put some things in your heart to do in, in fanatical evangelism in your neighborhoods. And the devil's going to tell you, well, you've already tried that and that didn't work. It's time to try it again. It's time to revisit something that you've done before that you didn't bear fruit in um, because the spirit realm has changed. Try it again. And, and how, many of you live in a neighborhood, I'm assuming. Y'all live in neighborhoods close to other houses. Um, you know, one of the things, and this is just practical stuff, but one of the things that we did in our neighborhood was we served our neighbors um, in holidays or even in days that weren't holidays. We would make cookie packages and put a note on there saying um, that we're from Jesus Church. Um, we prayed for your family while we baked these cookies. God bless you. If you ever need anything, here's our number. Um, people that hated us in our neighborhood. One guy, because I put my trash on the truck before I took it to the dump, he hated my guts. His spirit totally changed after that. He brought us gifts like every other month. There was a card. I mean, cookies do amazing things, but I'm just saying try, try something that you haven't tried in a while. Go get them. Go get them. A church only needs one fanatical soul winner to have apostolic harvest. And I, I, I'm asking you right now to take off the boundaries and start doing some fanatical stuff and watch God give you the fruit that you have been praying and fasting for. Get your neighborhoods, man. Go get them. Serve them. God's going to release to you a fanatical spirit of evangelism, spirit-led evangelism. If you want it, lift your hands. and Let's say, God, we receive it right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. God, let it come upon them. Just as the Apostle Paul, just as Peter, God, everywhere they walked, they were seeing opportunities where others saw obstacles. They were seeing opportunities where others saw obstacles. God, let Jesus' church see opportunities where others see obstacles. For he that soweth bountifully will reap bountifully. In Jesus' name. We have heard from God. We've heard from God. And the uh, best way I could maybe describe one or two things that he stated for, for, for me personally. It's just like you take this building, for example. And I, I shared this with him, was when we actually got and acquired this property, people came out of the woodworks and confessed to me that, you know, I didn't want to tell you, Pastor, but I just, I didn't really think we were going to get it, especially not debt-free. And then uh, and then a number of ministers that came here and laid hands on the building and, you know, are praying for it, I believe with your brother. And then later they told me, I didn't really think you are uh, and I was just so confused and shocked and dumbfounded because, like, it made absolute sense to me. Like, I just saw it. I, I, just, I just knew it. It was, the word he used was, it was inevitable. And um, that is honestly how I feel about this harvest that is before us. It makes so much sense to me. I see it. 
It, it's right there. No one can convince me otherwise. And what I felt happened uh, in, in, in this setting here, and I didn't see any of your faces. This is what I felt in the spirit. I just felt like light bulbs were coming on like, yeah, I see it. It makes sense. God used this man to just bring clarity to the time in which we are living right now. For such a time as this, God has strategically placed this group together. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I've, I've wondered at times, like, God, how on earth did we get, like, the coolest group of people in the world in one building? And it, God strategized because here we are. It took a season for us in consecration, but now that lightning has struck. God has neutralized the atmosphere. God set before us an open door. Now let's walk through it. Without fear, without doubt, let us doubtless come back with sheaves. We're going to have a harvest in Jesus' name. Let's just thank God for that word that we heard today. God, we thank you, Lord. Oh, Lord, you do all things well. You do all things well, Jesus. We're ready, God. We're ready, God. We don't say four months, then comes a harvest. We lift up our eyes, Lord, for the harvest is white and it is ready right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I receive the season of 40 souls, God. I receive. Yes, God. I'll, I'll tell you what I feel in the spirit. Just right now, it's just the 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 fact that just uh, was two months ago, out of nowhere, I'm just sitting at my desk, minding my own business, and also I just felt like you know I should text somebody about getting some chairs for this church and tables, and so I sent a text to a pastor friend, three pastor friends that said if you ever need anything, let me know, and I didn't even give them any explanation. <laughs> I was like, we need some more church chairs because you see we don't have enough to fill the the building. Not that we use all of them. And uh, I just sent that text, and in five minutes, boom, $9,600 of chairs and tables was covered, and those chairs come in May. We, we, we're going to have be able to have 200 chairs in that sanctuary in May. Now, whether or not we're going to set up all 200 in May, you know, no, I just, all I'm saying is the timing of it all, why did God prompt it? I didn't feel the Holy Ghost. I just like a random thought, get some chairs. I'm just going to believe that is in order with what he just declared. Let's receive that right now in the name of Jesus. I receive it, God. I receive what I have heard, for I believe, God. Let God be true. Let God be. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, not by our mind, not by our power, but by your spirit, God. I believe it, God. I praise you. Let's clap our hands to the Lord.